the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. of Tech, this is episode 274 for Monday the 5th of May 2014. My name is Edwin Herman here in the studio. I have also with me over a Skype connection, Ben Sunko. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Ed. Good to be back. Hey, look, it's good to have you back. And it's been a while since since you were on the show, I think. A few episodes yeah, anyway. It's been, yeah, it's been a few. So you've been pretty busy lately. You uh, you told me earlier you were looking at buying a section, a section of land, right? Yeah, yeah. After tell I, me about um, that. Well, after I went on the holiday, like I go camping every year, just have a, you know, a couple of weeks away. I usually just stay at dock sites or we've got a really good network of campgrounds in New Zealand, so I usually make the most of that. And I've probably seen, I've been circumnavigated the whole country, basically. I've gone around the whole coast. And on the last one, I had a bit of bad weather and I was just thinking it would be quite nice to have Instead of going away camping, having my own place to go and stay at or camp at. So that's just actually looking. a really cool idea. So you know how people yeah. have like people have holiday homes or batches. So you'd have like a section and go camping on it. Yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't make the most of a holiday home. I don't think I'd get to it enough. So mm. it'd be left empty for a while, and then you've got stuff in it. And I just don't really need that right now. You but just need the place, right? I just need somewhere to go and camp, and I can prepare for you know building a house later. Um, that is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so where, where, whereabouts would you in the country? Would you? Would you? Well, look? I'm just looking for anything within about three hours of Wellington, really, just so I can. Um, two hours would be the best because you know it's quite easy to get mm. there. You know? So, so we're talking Lower North Island, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. That I mean, I'd love really... to have a boat and get down south, but <laughs> that's a bit. That's yeah, it's a fair way away. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's I, that's a fantastic idea because I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of my friends have ex, uh, expressed interest in in buying like a holiday house, but I like I've never even it's never even crossed my mind about what your idea, which is buying the land and just going camping there, which is because you get like you said you go camping anyway, yeah, and you, you might as well for you know have a place where you can sort of camp for free. Yeah, so if, if it's completely bare land, I'll build a, a garage or something, so then I've got the roof to capture water off, so then you've got, you know, you've got a water supply. All you need is a long drop or a um, mm. like a, or a small portable toilet or something. That's that easy. And then there's not really much else you need. Mm. Uh, yeah, so the place I had, I had a look at a place on the weekend that I really like the look of. It's um, it's just, it's out towards the coast from Carterton, so it's two, just over two hours from here. Mm-hmm. There's about 12k of gravel road that you got to go over to get to it, and it's 10 acres. It's got a big old wool shed on it, and it's got a few pine trees. From, oh, that, that's like, a huge bit of land. It's not too bad, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of size that I'm after. Okay, so, I didn't uh, realise you were looking so big, but okay, yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, so yeah, I quite like it. I uh, might see what happens. So what would you do with the land? I mean, obviously, you can stay on it, but what else would you do with the land? Would you crops, uh, trees, orchard, what? Uh, I mean, initially it's a land bank. It's um, 
you know, to see what happens in 10 years' time. But I'd love to, you know, dig out a little garden and maybe grow some, yeah, grow some um, fruit trees and things. Mm. But the main thing is just somewhere I can go and spend weekends just getting away. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all quite exciting. And um, very, very practical for this podcast because there's no power, there's no cell phone, there's no internet, there's, there's, there's <laughs> so, nothing out there. So, so there's no getting hold of Ben when we need a co-host on the show when Ben's on, you know, staying out at uh, wherever his, his piece of land is. <laughs> if I'm away, I am away. You I are really away. Yeah. You're, off, you're unplugged, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I really enjoy that. You know, when I go camping, I, I don't take a laptop or anything. I'm... I'm disconnected. Yeah, because increasingly people are, are sort of taking everything with the, you know, even I've seen sky connections and all sorts now that yeah. people take with them, you know, with the, the satellite on the side of the, the caravan and they've got all the mod cons and internet and everything. It's like, but you're just going to be doing what you do at home, but somewhere else, which is, what's the yeah. point? You might as well do Although, something different. Um, when I was, I camped a lot around Europe and, um, you know, around sort of early 2000s and um, you'd go to Portugal and there'd be, there'd be campgrounds that the whole campground is just English people that have bought, it's it's essentially a holiday home, but in a campsite. So they'll go there for three oh, or four months over yeah, summer yeah. and that's, that's them and they're really set up. But um, yeah, you, it's more recently in New Zealand that you start seeing the satellite dishes. And I, I do wonder like, well, you know. But I guess it depends what you're doing. Are you, you know, are you going camping for two weeks, or are you doing a six month trip around the country? Yeah, yeah. So if you're yeah. doing that, then yeah, okay, you would want to settle into sort of watching the news and that kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it all comes down to yeah. I was kind of assuming we're, you know, in the realm of like you know just going away for a few days or a week or so. Uh, there's still some people though that feel the need to stay connected to everything. Yeah, they bring, I the, mean, they bring the DVD collection and movies that they've got online, and that, that's actually a really interesting segue, though, isn't it? If you, uh, oh yes, yeah, to our first story. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing. We're <laughs> good point, actually. Uh, the first story, first on the list, is a Twitter introducing a mute feature, and which. I initially look at it and go, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what you're doing. <laughs> I've already got a mute feature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, the, the, what Twitter's doing here is, and I don't know if you, do you use Twitter a lot, Ben? I do, but I follow people and I don't tweet. Oh, okay. And, you're, I, you're and a, I reduce okay. the number of people that I follow so that I can read my Twitter feed once a day and I'm not really missing out on a lot. Oh, okay. Um, well, I don't you, understand you do how... Way? Yeah, because if you had, like, I follow maybe 20 people. If you followed 200 people, 300 people, there's no way you could keep track no, of them. No, no, you're un- right. Unless you're doing it all the time. In which case, so the way I use it, a mute feature is, is, is irrelevant, it's pointless. But if you were trying to keep on top of everyone, I would see how it would be useful. Um, yeah, see, I think. at the same time, I don't, it's like, just put your phone down. Well, you know, just going back to what you said about, you know, you can't follow, like, 200 people's, Twitter feeds, you just wouldn't have the time. The way I see, look, I follow a a fair number of people, more than I could keep up with, but the way I see it is that it's something you sort of tune in and tune out of. It's a little little bit like, I guess, television or a magazine. You don't look at everything or read everything in the magazine. You just come in, see what's happening at the moment, and then slip out again while you go and, I don't know, do something in the real world, and then later on that evening you might slip into Twitter again and back out. That's the way I use it. So, sure, I'm I'm probably missing out on 90 95% of what's being said, but that's the way I use it. I just like, what's happening now? What What's he or she saying now? And that's how I use it. I've got a feeling that's how most people use it. Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, I but... I don't think I'm the norm. No, that's what I'm thinking, actually. Um, yeah. But anyway, so this... 
this uh, mute feature. The idea is, I mean, and anyone who uses Twitter a decent amount of time will know this, that there's always one or two people that just have so much to say and the feed, when you look at you, you know the, the people you're following, it's just taken up by this this one or these two people dominating the the feed. So this feature is kind of neat because I think I could make use of this. Where these are people you don't want to unfollow or block. You just want to you know put the mute on a bit like you know when the ads come on on TV. You just want to mute it for a while and you'll come back to them later. And this is muting individual people, isn't it, as opposed yeah. to the whole, yeah. Yeah, correct. This is muting individual people. Now, f- there's not a lot of information about how it's going to work, but from what I've gathered from various blogs and news sites, it sounds like it's going to be just a, because uh, I've only just started rolling this out, it looks like it's just going to be a feature where against someone's name, you click the mute button and they're off until you unmute them again. There's no timer feature. Uh, there's no... Because, um, you know, I had this idea, Ben, a while ago to address this problem and it was a little bit smarter than just a mute. I kind of thought, well, what Twitter could do is have a button called... I don't know what you'd call it, but a feature where for certain people that you nominate, most of the tweets are stripped out and only a select few are visible to you and the ones that, how does it choose which ones and how many yeah. does it choose, that would be done by, first of all, the first question, which ones? That would be the ones that are most popular or most viewed by most by other people or most you know responded to in metrics like that. Uh-huh. And, and the second question, what frequency of messages do you allow through? The answer to that would be it would match pretty much your average feed speed, uh, if you like, compared to you know the other people you follow. That's how I would do it. So it sort that of brings them back into neat. the norm. I yeah. quite like that. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of intelligent. Yeah. So that's kind of that was my idea. Uh, Twitter have obviously done something kind of a little bit more crude, but at least helpful. Because you could expand on your idea, and uh, if you. And that's actually a really good idea. It could be expanded quite a lot. So as you're reading tweets, if you go, wow, that's a really interesting tweet, you could hit like a button next to it and it sort of increases the frequency that you see. So it's like, oh, I, I might actually find more of these interesting. So every time you hit them, it sort of increases the frequency. And if you start reading other people's and you're like, this is really not for me, you can start decreasing the frequency. So it's even learning oh, I like, see. Yeah. As, as you go yes. to, to sort of present Yes. a more a, a better representation mm. of what you actually want and you might get to the point where someone that you were only keeping an eye on you now follow 100% of them and mm. other people that you were keeping 100% on like people that start just talking rubbish you now are <laughs> yep. sort of not really following anymore yeah. yeah I think there's a lot you could do mm. there, there really is and uh, you know a lot of that though could be handled by the Twitter clients themselves it doesn't have to be uh, you know the client software it doesn't have to be something that Twitter themselves build in, but you know if they do build in the algorithm, then it just makes it a lot easier for the clients to tap into that rather than having to implement the whole algorithm themselves. Mm. Although you could add quite a lot of value by writing a really good algorithm if you've got access to enough information. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, good. And just essentially, but yeah. just become a proxy for Twitter yeah. for those people that use the application. That's 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 all interesting. Mm. Some quite cool things. Mm. So anyway, a Twitter, uh, a mute feature for Twitter, I think it's uh, a great idea because, you know, up until now it's been either do I unfollow them, which is a little bit, uh, not rude, but it's it's a little bit blunt, if you like, uh, or do I just put up with it and, you know. Anyway. Because often so, you don't want to unfollow them. You just, I, I don't so really care about, 
you yeah. live tweeting the the pet food competition like it's just not <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly you just want to sort of tone them down you know mm. all right google is going to be releasing or has released is going to be releasing a automatic parking reminder feature as part of google now the idea is it's going to automatically detect when you leave your vehicle and it's going to do that based on some of the sensors on the on, the, on your phone device, and if it detects that you've left your vehicle, it's going to give you what's called a, a Google Now card, a little like a reminder card, if you like, showing the location of your car, and that way you'll never forget where you parked your car. Well, that's not true. You, you will forget. You just will be able to find it again. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Someone's got to be pedantic. Brett's not on the show. <laughs> oh, wait till he plays this back. Oh, he'll love it. Yeah, no. So, so we're at the point now where you're going to be able to type into Google, where is my car, and yeah. it will tell you. Yeah, dude, where's my car? And it will, yeah, you're right. Because you, you know good, what, Ben? Good. You know, this this is so for me because so many times I arrive at work, I park my car in the vast car park, and then I get to the office, I do my day's work, and on the way to the car park, at the end of the day, I'm thinking, now where did I park that car? Sometimes it takes me longer than other times, but it's, you know, there's going to be that day where I arrive in the car park and I'll be standing there in the middle going, look, I have no idea where this car is. <laughs> yeah. And I guess if you were, um, going to large car parks that you don't like. Say you went to another car park, which is equally vast. Oh, yeah, if you're not familiar. You're not have, yeah, you're not going to have a clue. And, yeah, or, or even the mall. Somewhere you don't, yeah, somewhere you just don't go very often, it's very easy to. Yeah. Actually, but I definitely see the use in it. It's just it's, it's just so funny that that's, the, that's, that's where we're at now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the, you know, decades of uh, technology brought us? Well, it help you find where you put your car. Yeah. Great. Surely got bigger problems to, to fry. But no, I think it's it is kinda neat. It's kind of intelligent. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is it is cool. Okay, then last story for this episode. It's been a long month for Samsung and Apple. They've been locked in a in a battle in court, of course, over the, the patents and I look, I haven't been report well, we haven't been reporting on this in the in the podcast because it just goes on and on. But finally it's come to an end and the the uh, the jury has delivered its verdict, and that verdict, I'll tell you now, is that Samsung indeed infringed Apple's smartphone patents. Apple have been awarded 120 million in damages, but also Apple, to a lesser degree, has infringed some of Samsung's patents, and Samsung has been awarded 158,000, a lot less. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a like a normal settlement in these sorts of cases. Yeah, so what is that? Apple gets 120 million and Samsung gets 0.16 million. Mm. Wasn't there. They, well, Apple sought 2.2 yeah, billion. That's right. Apple, that, you're right. So that, that was the award, okay? So as you said, you're absolutely right, Ben. When they went into this, Apple said they were seeking 2.2 billion. That's what they felt it was worth. Obviously, the the uh, jury disagreed and said, look, guys, no, 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 you're getting less than a tenth of that. And you, Samsung were going for 6 million. 6 and million, got, and they got 158. Yeah. So those are pretty, pretty reduced amounts. And, and in the, considering the size of the market, that's actually not that much money. Yeah, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I mean, you know, yeah. Apple getting 120 million isn't really going to do much 
to get Apple back to perhaps where it once was or where they expected to be or you know it's and same for Samsung for that matter <laughs> it's it's really not a lot of money you're right because wasn't there reports that like a year ago or two years ago that Apple had more money than America like I don't know if they had more money than America but it was some ridiculous thing where they had more cash like their sales resulted in more okay. money than than some some ridiculous comparison and and yet now they well now they've got an extra hundred and twenty million. It's, like that's, bu- it's a drop in the bucket. Probably less than the interest they earned in <laughs> yep. and the you, length of the trial. You're probably right, actually. You're probably exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that is the verdicts. So I thought, given now that the the month long trial is over, we can at least report what has happened at the end of it all. Mm. Mm. And by the way, just uh, for completeness, the patents that were infringed. Uh, the patents that Samsung infringed that belong to Apple are slide to lock, universal searching, quick linking, automatic word correction, and background synchronizing. And the other way around, those of Samsung's that Apple has infringed, uh, there are two patents there. One is relating to camera use, and the other one is video transmission. I haven't looked at any further details on that, but that's the subject matters of those patents. Cool. So that's it, and no doubt they'll be back in court again next month or next year or something. Yeah, I mean, they've both got teams of lawyers that have got to be doing something, so Hmm. they might as well be suing each other. Yeah, you know, a lot of the emails, internal emails had come out as part of this, and, you know, it it showed that Apple and, you know, even back in the, you know, when Steve Jobs headed the company, you know, he was really, really angry. It's genuinely angry at Samsung. You know, a lot of people, I think, see these big companies, you know, Samsung and Apple and whatnot is, you know, just using very sly techniques and getting the best lawyers to, you know, and so on. And yeah, sure. I mean, that's part of it, but there's genuine, I guess, grievance in these companies at each other for, you know, like to give you an example, I mean, Steve Jobs is really, really angry at what Samsung was doing because he genuinely felt that they had simply taken an Apple product, looked at it and go, oh, oh, yeah, that's what we should be doing. Let's do that. And that Apple had spent, you know, millions of dollars and years of research in there. And so I guess it's, he kind of took it to heart. But I mean, that happens every single day in every single walk of life. Otherwise, we would only have one of things. Well, it does, yeah, but there are limits, and I think that's... If they took the iPhone, opened it up, and copied the circuitry, or they they got the source code and reverse engineered it and copied that, yeah, I totally agree. Or they, they, they take something that is blatantly, obviously custom to something else and use that when it's like the, the, you know, the ultimate selling point. But to go, here's a phone that has a computer in it and does a lot more than just a phone. I mean, as soon as one person, of course everyone's going to do the same thing. If we didn't have that kind of inspiration and copying, we wouldn't have the development. I mean, the first generation of most things are pretty rubbish, and it's not until other people come up with new ideas and and move the whole industry forward that you start to get really good products and really good ideas coming out. Mm. I I guess, you know, and what you're saying is, uh, you know, a lot of people have said as well, well, how far should a patent go? I mean, the one that was commented on a lot was the slide to unlock. Now, I think, you know, Apple have the patent form that they invented the slide to unlock feature. Should, you know, the way the patent laws are at the moment, and this is this case shows this, that that is something that others should not be allowed to use because it's the work of Apple. Now, 
a lot of people disagree with that and say, well, something like Slide to Unlock isn't revolutionary. It's not a complex secret way of doing something. It's something really that isn't, shouldn't be patentable. I mean, but that's a whole different have, argument, you know. Once you have a touchscreen on a device that is going to be locked and you're wanting to allow people to unlock that as quickly as possible, how many different ways to do that are there? I mean, realistically. Like, yeah, well, you're if, right. If you, you can push a button. If you, wouldn't log, if you couldn't logically get to the same conclusion without copying them, yeah, yeah I'd agree. But once you've got a device like that that has a touch screen and swiping is something that's existed for a long time. I mean, to write on my keyboard, I swipe. To do all, you know, there's lots of mouse gestures. Like swiping is a thing that's existed for a long time. So it is logical that you would get to that conclusion. So in that case, I'd say it's complete rubbish. Yeah, well, a lot of people have said the same thing. That's a whole different argument, but it's a it's a valid one. And I, you know, I tend to agree with you as well. I mean, should something as what appears as trivial trivial as slide to unlock be patentable? I don't think so. Uh, but I mean, what about if somebody, if one of the phone manufacturers come up with a fingerprint scan? So you put your your thumb on your phone and it scans it. I mean, that sort of thing seems like a logical conclusion. If somebody does that, does that mean nobody else can do it? Or because I've now said it on a podcast, does that mean that I'm the only one that can do it? Like, <laughs> I mean, some things people come up with the same ideas all the time, like. Um, it just it, it happens. There's times when it is blatantly copied, and yeah, I would you know, fight for those times. But there's other times when everyone would have come up with the same idea eventually. Well, well, you know, I'm no patent lawyer, so I don't know where, how black and white this is, and whether it's simply a case of, you know, yes, it's black and white. You either implemented what Apple have painted it or not, or whether they also look at, well, what is Samsung trying to achieve here? Are they simply trying to ride on the coattails of Apple? Are they taking everything Apple and making it theirs so that their phones can sell. I don't know whether they look at that or whether it's uh, more black and white than that, but yeah. When you have two companies in competition in the same market, like, yeah, I mean, wow, Ford put an engine in their car as well. They copied Toyota. Oh, no, and they put <laughs> wheels on it as well and a steering wheel. Oh, where's it going to end? <laughs> yeah. It could be taken too far. I don't know. Some of these... Like litigation for the sake. I mean, once an idea is out there, once a you know, once something's out there, you lose some of the control over it, mm. and that's just the way that it is. Like you can't you can't force people to consume things the way that you want them to consume it. They're going to consume it in the way that they want to consume it, and it's just that's the world we live in. That's what's good about the world we live in. Yeah, obviously the flip side is you do have to have some form of protection because otherwise no one's going to do R and D and will you'll be stuck in this, you know, I mean, think back to the, the PC days before, you know, Apple made it big. We're in, in, stuck in beige box land, you know. There was nothing, you know, Apple were making beige boxes, actually. But know? why do things why do things break out of that? It's because yeah. they're, they're good. It, so if you make a good enough you know, product... Well, there's two, but there's two reasons, Ben. It's because they're good, and also they have protection under the law because another company can't simply rip that off. They either have to pay a license fee to you, which you said... Or they have to do something significantly different enough. So you've got that protection. That's the other reason why. And I think in the medical um, field, that's why, because, you know, medical research for, you know, for new drugs, that costs a lot of money. And companies can patent uh, certain formulas and certain, you know, certain drugs. And because of that, we have companies that are willing to put these millions of dollars in R&D in. 
but the flip side of that is you get some of these, I mean, we shouldn't really get into this, but some of these pharmaceutical, company, pharmaceutical companies will patent a piece of um, medicine, but it's not profitable for them to make it, so they won't make it. And even though there's other people that would make it to help people, they won't let them make it either because they are in the patent. And then that company yeah. has to wait. 20 years for that patent to expire before yeah. they can yeah. actually offer an affordable medicine that is required. Um, like paracetamol, a few years ago, it started to become, you know, they, they became cheap alternatives on the market. And that's just because the patent rang out and people could actually start making it. And you've got a lot of companies in India that are trying to make cheap drugs, and they're not allowed to because they're breaking patent laws. Like, I, I totally agree that there is a time and a place for it, and it serves a real use, and it has helped everything move forward. But there's also a time when it is very negative and doesn't help yeah, anything. Yeah, there are limits. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with you, Ben. Yeah, exactly. It's not, I mean, you know, the older we get, the more you realize there's not a lot of black and white situations out there. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of shades of gray. Mm. Yep. Not 50. But no, I, was for the, <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting. been going to make that reference. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. All right, Ben, on that note, look, let's end episode 274 there. I want to thank you very much for co-hosting. Cheers. Excellent. And we'll do it again sometime. Definitely. All right, thanks very much. And thanks to our listeners for listening. Keep subscribing. See you next time. Till then, goodbye. I had this idea, Ben, a while ago to address this problem, and it was a little bit smarter than just a mute. I kind of thought, well, what Tony could do is have a button called, I don't know what you'd call it, maybe, um, uh... Mute? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no.